built up a large and rather eclectic group of consoles and titles in our house. While some games don't age well, others have continued to tempt us long after we've moved on to a new system. A select few titles have even earned a place in our busy gamer lexicon. Blast Corps for the N64 was many things, but Progressive wasn't one of them. The goal of the game was simple. Destroy everything. The challenges came from the increasingly difficult puzzles, which included figuring out how to demolish certain items, and that favorite game developer crutch, the timed mission. Your guide in the game was a perky woman who assigned you missions and commented on your progress. You're just trying to impress me. Well, no, I was just trying to beat the level, but thanks. I would love to play Blast Core on a next-gen console. At the other end of the girl power spectrum was Dark Summit, a wonderful snowboarding game for the original Xbox. Dark Summit featured a hip chick secret agent who could get tricky on the mountain and save the world all before lunch. Can't keep me down. I know some in the industry would say Dark Summit failed because the lead character wasn't a dude. I like to think it had to do more with some intense competition from several other snowboarding games released around the same time. Besides, Dead or Alive Extreme Beach Volleyball was all chicks and it sold great. Who says a girl can't sell a game? Dark Summit benefited from the Xbox treatment, but I would love to do 360s on my 360. We need some help Scapegoat Wax's IL-10 is a perennial favorite on my iPod, and it never fails to swoop me back to one of the first games I played on the original Xbox, Jet Set Radio Future. This classic was a cult favorite that should have broken through, but it was just odd enough to avoid the mainstream attention it deserved. JSRF featured key Tokyo locations such as Shibuya Terminal, Brought to life in cell-shaded glory. Equipped only with roller skates and the cutest Japanese outfits ever, I skated up, down, and around buildings, raced friends, and spray-painted graffiti everywhere. But for a very good reason. And you shouldn't do that in real life. It even says so at the beginning of the game. Right after the warnings, no one else reads either. Honestly, the gameplay was up and down. Sometimes, literally. But no matter how frustrated I got, I didn't mind as long as the disembodied DJ guiding my journey kept the J-pop going. With a few tweaks and a next-gen upgrade, audiences might finally find that the Jet Set Radio future is now. You wouldn't know it from the podcast, but survival horror is my all-time favorite genre. There just haven't been that many good games lately. I dutifully stayed with Silent Hill until recently. I refuse to play the Arctic Blast game they've put out, and my love-hate relationship with Resident Evil will continue to live on. I would drop those pretenders to the throne in a skipped heartbeat for a definitive, high-def, stereotastic version of my all-time favorite survival game, Shadow Man. I must stop this evil from bringing about the end of all things. That was Mike Leroy, the titular Shadow Man from the Best in 64 game. And yes, I played Zelda. Mike had the ability to enter the dark world and kick butt. The plot revolved around a cabal of serial killers planning to unionize and really make life a living hell. While the violence was not graphic by today's standards, the game remains one of the most disturbing I've ever played. Yes, there is killing, and lots of it, and the game is definitely not for children. But the real horror here is psychological. When Mike discovers a very personal connection to one of the enemies, I felt the knife twisting in my heart. That made the game great. Presenting the awful truth in the form of a sick joke told by a serial killer? Priceless. Only you can do it, Shadow Man. You are the walker between the worlds. Let's hope that one day, Mike is the walker between next-gen consoles.